Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda, and our wonderful guest, Dr. Steve Iacovelli. So I'm going to give you some great information about Steve and what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about the LGBTQ plus leadership and how to foster a more inclusive workplace. So this is an incredible topic, and I want to tell you a little bit about Steve. He is the gay leadership dude. Yep, I did the air quotes. He is the owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group, LLC, a learning and development leadership, change management, and diversity and inclusion consulting firm that's based in Orlando, Florida, and with affiliates across the globe. Steve and Top Dog have had the pleasure of working with some great client partners who they consider to be members of their pack. So he's worked with Fortune 500 greats like the Walt Disney Company and Bayer to amazing not-for-profits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the American Library Association, to small entrepreneurial rock stars like International Training and Development and GovMojo, Inc. So they have thoroughly enjoyed helping their client partners grow, develop, expand, and be successful with their corporate learning, change management, diversity, and inclusion, and leadership consulting goodness. So with over 25 years of experience in leadership, strategy, organizational learning, and communication, Steve is a rare breed of professional that understands the power of using academic theory and applying it to the corporate setting to achieve business results. And he's really quite fond of dogs, if you get that from the top dog company name. Steve, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lynn. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are really excited, and this is such a terrific episode for any of you who are going to be joining us for the very first time. You know, take this moment to subscribe, to claim your career crown wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love the show and what we're doing, share the love and click all five stars for your your review. All right. So, Steve, you know, let's let's sort of begin at the beginning and uh, talk about your journey to becoming the gay leadership dude. Yeah, it, it's funny because, um, you know, I, I jokingly say when when I started using that title just a few short years ago, you immediately know three things about me that that I'm gay, <laughs> that I self-identify as a dude and that I really like to talk about leadership. But but the gay leadership dude didn't really exist um, until just a few years ago, actually, at the um, the suggestion of my publisher, Jen Grace. And um so prior to that, you know, I, I was running Top Dog Learning Group, doing my thing. You know, Top Dog's almost 15 years old, so it was, you know, kind of rocking and rolling. And then I, I decided to go down the path of writing my latest book. And, and so I've done a couple books before. One was my dissertation, which, you know, I'll get like a 20 cent royalty check once every five years. I'm like, Mom, did you buy this again? She's like, No, I didn't. So there's that. And then I went down the path of um, of self publishing, which I know a lot of people had success with. I did not. Uh, it was a horrible experience. So um, back in 2018. I happened to meet uh, 
this woman who, uh, you know, we're at a conference, we're sorting our business cards and, and she's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, oh, consulting, blah, blah, blah. Kind of lame what you said a few minutes ago. And I said, what do you do? She's like, well, I'm a publisher. I'm like, you know, there's a book in my head that needs to come out. She's like, let's get it out. And that's kind of how I started down the journey of my latest book, Pride Leadership, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. But as we're going through the process, um, and, and Jen's, she's not just a publisher, she's actually a marketer by trade and she's brilliant. And so she's doing all these things to coach me as uh, as an author to say, you know, have you done, have you gotten Steve on amazon.com as your URL? And then you can redirect wherever you want. I'm like, that's brilliant. So oddly enough, I did get that. So it's really cool. I can just tell people and it directs to the book. But, um, at one point she's like, well, what's your brand? I said, well, top dog, you know, that's my business. She's like, no, she's like, no, think about it. Like five years from now, 10 years from now, top dog is so successful. You sell it, but you still want to do stuff. What's your personal brand? I'm like, I don't know, Steve. She's like, no. I'm like, okay, what is that? And so, you know, we kind of started thinking through and that's where I kind of came up with the gay leadership dude because it seemed to fit. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, as a white cisgender dude, um, it's nice because by using that title, I don't have to come out anymore. It's just kind of there. So it kind of saves a little bit of energy and time as I, I meet new folks. Yeah, absolutely. I really love what you're doing. I really love everything I learned from your bio and the things we're going to ask you later on. Um, for everyone listening, to get us started with people who are straight and cisgender, how can workplaces become more inclusive of LGBTQ plus people and other minorities as well? Yeah, thanks, Amanda, for asking. And, and I, I think, too, that um, for for any awesome allies who are, who are listening, who want to create and foster a sense of belonging in the workplace. And that's really the key as we talk about fostering inclusivity. Um, so years ago, when I was first getting into this, this story of, of understanding diversity and inclusion, it's actually when I worked at Disney several years ago. And um, I remember one of my colleagues said to me, she's like, you know, if you really boil it down, um, diversity is being invited to the dance. So you come on in, the door's open. Um, inclusivity or inclusiveness is being asked to dance. So it's the difference between coming in the door to being active member of the community. But as you look at some of the latest stuff out there and what, what professionals are really doing is they're trying to create a sense of belonging in the workplace. And what I love about this concept is that diversity and inclusion is like, like the business. The workplace is like, yep, we got this, cool. We're opening the doors. We're asking people to dance, awesome. But belonging turns the tables around and says, hey, you person at the dance, do you feel like you belong here? Do you feel like respected and safe? And that's what belonging is. And I think to answer your question, Amanda, smart allies who really want to do the right thing for all of us, quote unquote, honors and others. And if you're not list, uh, watching, I just did the quote unquote bunny ears, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> but any of us other folks, <laughs> um, you know, creating that sense of belonging is, is the goal. Now that looks a little bit different um, for, for a lot of different uh, um, folks who are out in the workplace. It could be just asking folks, what is your opinion? Or it could be that, and, I, and I, hey, I'm, I'm a dude, so making sure that I don't mansplain stuff to my field male colleagues, um, to you know those folks who are sitting in that meeting, virtual or otherwise, depending on where you're at, um, when those uh, disparaging remarks happen, to be there to not um, to say something, um, or at least make it known that th that uh, item that's being said isn't right. So those are kind of, kind of some of the strategies that that smart allies can do, and we're all allies for some group, uh, whether you're the the majority or the minority. If you flip around the situation, at some point we all become a minority. So what can we do to hopefully create that sense uh, to help our allies? And when you're in that majority, how do you create that sense of belonging for the others? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I really love that analogy that you use with being invited to the dance versus being invited to dance. So I really like that. Um, 
And I would say a belonging, by the way, is I can dance really crazy weird and no one's going to judge me. So I kind of like it. Yeah, you can be your authentic self. So um, how can someone in a leadership position make sure that they're being inclusive um, of the LGBTQ plus um, employees and applicants and really create that thriving environment for everyone? Yeah, and it's it's a great question. And it's funny, Lynn, because um, when I was, you know, kind of thinking through these questions beforehand, because, you know, you beautifully kind of prep them up for me and how I look at things, a leader isn't different than anyone else. Um, a leader is someone who has influence in the workplace. Well, in theory, that's everybody in some way, shape or form. So what I tend to advocate for creating that sense of belonging is um, kind of a three prong approach, especially from a leadership role, but it's really anyone can do this. It's you think in you speak up and you act out. And so it kind of three tiers. So think in is you start with yourself, get your own house in order. So it's, if I want to create that sense of belonging, you know, I need to understand what unconscious biases do I have? And if you're listening to this or you're watching this, I hate to tell you, you have some bias, whether you like it or not. If you're human and breathing, you have bias. Now the, the question is, which ones do you have? Which unconscious biases are in your kind of operating system in the background of your head? And you can do some really cool things, Project Implicit, if you Google that, um, free assessments online, different ways to explore what yours are. Because in order for me to be inclusive, I want to make sure I'm not being exclusive, especially on that unconscious level. So you think in about your own self. That's kind of the first step. The speak up is is looking kind of around you. And I, I alluded to it a few moments ago, and, and I'll do a quick story. Um, I was in Atlanta you know, many years ago, pre-pandemic, pre all that good stuff. And it was a final project meeting with myself and, and one of my top doggers, Lori, was with me and about 38 other folks sitting in this typical conference room. And we're just kind of milling about. It's the last meeting of this project. We're all excited. We're like, yay, we did the stuff. It's cool. It was a change management thing we do. And at the head of the table was the senior executive. And, and you know, he's there leading the move. And, and his gender is important to the story. That's why I mentioned it. But just as we're about to start the conversation and, and start the meeting, you know, the voices are dying down. And you hear the senior executive say, well, you know how all women drive. And everyone just kind of stopped and just kind of looked at the head of the table, but no one said a word. Now, at that one moment, uh, at that exact moment in time, the 39 of us in the room, aside from this executive, were engaging in what's called silent collusion, which is you know, we're silently supporting that stupid comment that he said. And so a, a smart leader who wants to create a sense of belonging doesn't do that. Um, they they mitigate silent collusion or they find ways to address it. And, you know, I, we could put in the show notes, I have like a free online learning, it's like three minutes long, on the six ways to beat silent collusion. And, and it can be something as small as, you know, well, what did you mean by that, Bob, the executive or whomever? And then, but of course, you watch the tone like, what do you mean by that, Bob? Well, that gets accusatory. <laughs> so you manage the tone, but you still ask the question. And, and a lot of times people are saying these types of stupid comments out of that unconsciousness. You know, they're just not really thinking. But smart leaders won't let those opportunities go away uh, and they'll address that. So they'll speak up. And then the third one is act out. And that's really being mindful of the, the broader workplace, whatever that look means to you. So it's looking around and saying, um, you know, uh, uh, what's on our website? Uh, that's promoting our business and inclu inclusivity. You know, do I have images of families and it's all one type of family? Um, if I, I was working with a global manufacturing company and, you know, I was doing an on-site workshop on inclusive leadership, one of the things we do. And right before I started, I walked around the lobby and there was four massive black and white images of, of actual employees doing, you know, manufacturing kind of things. And they were all perceived white dudes. And I'm like, oh, 
So, you know, like what's the sim- what's the message you're sending from those assets within your your workplace? Kind of like to be that that Jane Goodall anthropologist looking around your workplace. It could be the physical, the digital stuff. It could be forms. You know, does your intake forms have just gender as black, uh, you know, male, female? That's it. You know, or does it does it align for the various ways that people interpret um, their gender identity? And, and so, you know, smart leaders who want to make an inclusive workplace look at those things through the, the think in, speak up and act out. And that's a holistic approach to really creating a, an inclusive workplace. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great approach. I mean, you're right. We all have biases. And I think it's really important to start to recognize what these biases in yourself are and then unlearn them and then relearn better ways of thinking about people and interacting with people and supporting people. Yep. yep. So. You can de-bias yourself, which is the beautiful thing about humans. <laughs> exactly. So true. So you've said that LGBTQ plus people naturally have amazing leadership skills due to their experiences. Um, can you explain that? Yeah, it's funny. Um, well, I, I was doing a, an interview um, about a year or so ago, and the, the gentleman said, so are you saying that queer folks are better leaders? I'm like, hell yeah. And he's like, just blank. I said, I'm kidding. No, that's not true. They said, however, <laughs> um, yes, our, our straight brothers and sisters can be awesome leaders as well. But I, I write in my book, Pride Leadership, that um, LGBTQ+, and I say plu because I lived in France and it just sounds better than plus. That's my <laughs> weird thing. But LGBTQ+, leaders um, just have a different opportunity to exercise some of the leadership competencies that I've seen anyone, gay or straight, um, or anyone in between, um, really leverage to be more effective leaders. Things like authenticity, courage, building relationships, shaping culture. In the grand scheme of the almost 30 years of what I've been doing with leaders, this is what I've seen smart leaders, successful leaders do well. You know, they, they're their authentic selves. They engage in that leadership courage. They're effective communicators with those around them, yes. But then I put it through the rainbow lens in, in my book, Pride Leadership, and I say, you know what, as, as a queer person, to use the general term, you have or had an opportunity to start to flex these competencies a little bit differently. So I use authenticity, for example. If I am an an out gay man at work, or I'm a trans person leading my authentic live in my workplace, that's power. And if we channel that energy into our leadership effectiveness, boom, you, you got it exponentially better. Um, it's not to say that our straight brothers and sisters can't do that. Of course they can. But I, I argue in Pride Leadership that we're given as queer people a different opportunity to start to build and flex those leadership muscles a little bit differently. And we need to honor that and leverage that to be more effective leaders. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that you're taking your different um, perspectives and experiences and really uh, finding power in that. I think that's wonderful. Um, what is your perspective on on LGBTQ plus leadership and experiences, and what challenges or opportunities might LGBTQ plus leaders face? I, I think the the first thing that I reflect on, and and I think this applies to most um, underrepresented minorities in the workplace and beyond, is is that feeling of empathy and and really being able to understand. Uh, what it's at least begin to understand what it's like to be that other. I will never understand what it's like to be a person of color in this society. Of course not. I'm a white dude. However, as you know, a gay dude who's been been you know got a concussion because I was bashing all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, I can slightly start to empathize with some of those experiences. Um, when I was uh, I was an IBMer for several years, and I joined the women's initiative, the Women's Employee Resource Group. And I remember one of my colleagues was like, why are you doing that? I said, what a better way for me to understand, at least begin to understand 
the experience of my fellow female IBMers, if not to be part of that women's group and hear what the challenges are and see how I can be a better ally. And so I, I would broaden it that I think um, any of us can be a better ally for others. So for yeah. queer people, I think it's, you know, leverage that empathy that we have on being that other. I, I, and you and you look at and think about the concept of intersectionality, you know, where I'm a person of color and I'm queer, or, you know, um, I'm a, a woman and I'm also Muslim or you know, differing religion or whatever that looks like, you know, all these different ways that we think about um, the, the, the facets of what makes each of us a unique individual, a diverse individual. And so I think it's leveraging that from an empathetic perspective Perspective. And then to your second part about the challenges, um, I, I think there, there's a lot. You know, if, if you look at the latest statistics, and I know the pandemic is, is you know, kind of monkeyed around a little bit with the, the data collection, but the latest statistics show that just about 50%, 50% of queer people are actually out at work. And, and if you're listening to this or watching this, think about that statistic. 50% of queer people are not being their authentic selves at work. Yeah. Why? What is it that we collectively are doing to not allow those folks that that safety, that freedom to be their authentic selves at work and bring their full selves to the workplace? And, and you know, you hear us talking about authenticity. It's because authenticity, quite frankly, makes a better employee, makes better productivity, makes a better bottom line. And yes, of course, it's better for like the world. I get that. Of course I do. But if you're like not on board with that train, fine. No, it hits your bottom line. And if you're not letting people create that space that allows them to bring their whole selves at work where they're, you know, instead they're you dodging pronouns of what did you do this weekend? Uh, nothing. You know, they're not putting their um, you know, personal artifacts on their desk because they don't want you to see what those look like in those Zoom or, or virtual meetings. They blur the background because they don't want you to see anything that you know, tips off about who their authentic selves are. No, we can't do that. And yeah. so I think those are some of the challenges that queer people face. And I think on the flip side, to you know, be a Johnny positive glass half full, well, the opportunity for us is to, to see if that's happening and find out ways that we can mitigate that so people can be their authentic selves in the workplace. Yeah. No, I mean, that's brilliant. And I, I truly agree about how that impacts the bottom line uh, because you're actually squashing creativity and you're create you are not creating I mean the opposite of a thriving environment um, and culture within the organization and that directly impacts um, how the business performs on yeah. so many levels um, so that's brilliant so I and, I, and, and, it, and it hits your retention dollar it yeah. hits your retention dollars I mean people if they don't feel oh, that sense yeah. of belonging they're yeah, not no, sticking I mean, around it's just yeah multiple ways right yeah. I mean, the cost of retention is is uh, just another significant cost factor, but there's multiple reasons um, to your point of squashing that diversity of thought where a unique perspective um, or uh, lens can be applied to something um, that could really mitigate risk for an organization on a specific project or initiative. Um, the same thing of just not uh, being able to be, you know, all in and, uh, in your work and uh, because there's something holding you back because you don't feel that you're being supported. So yeah, I was, I, it's, it, it's funny, Lynn, it, a quick, quick story about that. I was working with a, um, a global manufacturing company and they were, you know, they created, create household products. And, you know, we had the conversation about inclusivity and, you know, with your work team and stuff. And they were really excited and they're like, yes, we got this, you know, different people of color, different genders, different you know, perspectives. This is great. So they went through this whole process created this widget thingy. And then they realized when they went to market, 
that they didn't think about handedness as a diverse perspective. And so the, the product they created could only be used by right-handed people. And so they're like, oh, we thought so hard for diversity. It's like, well, now we learned something. You just knocked out like 12% of your market because they can't use your product. But it, you know, it, it's, it's just thinking things through like that as a workplace that's, I think, exciting, but it's also the challenge. It's making sure that we are having that broad perspective um, and what that means, you know, defining diversity. Yes, it, it, uh, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender, physical ability, those are all massively important. But depending on the model you look at, there's other facets. And, and so being mindful of that, things like religion, uh, education, parental status, marital status, those all affect how we look at the world. And those can also affect how you create products and services for those around you. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of things as a leader that you can do, uh, even when you've really fostered um, you know, the, a thriving environment like that, you'll have people who aren't speaking up in meetings, et cetera. And you can draw them out in a way that's warm and inviting. And instead of like, hey, Amanda, you haven't said anything yet. What do you think? No, you go. <laughs> it's like, Amanda, you know, I'm curious, you know, you, you know, I know that you have an, an opinion on this and I'd like to hear your viewpoint on what we're discussing. And there's a different way. I mean, that's just, spitball in here live, but <laughs> there is a way that you can make sure that you're hearing all the voices around the table and that you're giving them a safe place uh, to voice those opinions. And if you do hear somebody like saying something under their breath and it's, it's just like a real corrective measure, you know what, I, this is important, you know, this perspective, uh, we need to hear it. Um, so all of us can see how this could impact the project or initiative. So it's sort of, once again, that corrective action where it's not, um, you know, where it's, it's to your point that uh, earlier that, I mean, that insidious like silence and, uh, and not showing up and being an ally and yet not creating a, a, a situation that becomes, um, you know, a, a fight type response instead sure. it's, you know, putting it out there. So, you know, you've alluded a lot to your book um, uh, called Pride Leadership, uh, Strategies for the LGBTQ Plus Leader to the King or Queen of Their Jungle. Um, so I love the queen part and, of course, the king part. So <laughs> of course. Can you tell us, and then there's princes and princesses. There's the court jester. Whatever you happen to be, <laughs> can you tell us more about your book? Queens can be boys. Kings can be girls. That's fine. Yeah. Or anything in between. <laughs> Um, so pride leadership was, um, like I said, it, it's it, it's focusing on what I found to be the top six competencies that really can can either make or break a leader if you're embracing them or not. And it's things like authenticity, courage, um, empathy, effective communications, shaping culture, and really thinking about how we um, foster that inclusivity in general and create consciously inclusive leaders within our workplace. And um, the idea is that it, I wrote it like a textbook because, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm a nerd, and there's all that stuff. And I did create a class that goes with it, all that fun stuff. But it, but it's really meant to think through what are the things that we as a leader need to think about in order to be uh, more successful in our everyday workplace? And, and you know, how do we, for example, foster relationships and not just, you know, hey, you're my my 
water cooler friend, my work wife or hubby or whatever, but it's how do we foster meaningful relationships as an example? How do we effectively communicate? Um, not through our own preferred communication channels, but maybe those are the recipients and thinking through that perspective. And so what's funny about the six competencies is that they're not, I mean, I talk about them in silos and chapters. They are so muddled gorgeously together. And of course I pick six, um, one, because that's a good number. Two, of course, there's six uh, stripes in the rainbow flag, depending on which flag you use, uh, which kind of worked out well. But um, but it's really thinking through, you know, these are the six competencies that really, really can make or break a leader. And then of course I do th put that through the, the leadership lens or through the rainbow lens. But I will say, um, when I was uh, getting the first bit of feedback from my editor, Heather, Heather the editor, which I think is fun. Um, Heather, <laughs> I was in a coffee shop in downtown Orlando here and and she's, you know, I'm nervous as anything because the only other human in the universe to read my book. And she's like, okay, Steve, so I need to be honest. I am not your target audience. I'm like, okay. She's like, you know, I'm a white cisgendered straight woman. I'm like, mm. She's like, this is the book I wanted for my MBA program when we talked about leadership. I'm like, what? And she's like, you know, it, it's it's solid leadership theory. Of course it is. I'm a nerd. Um, but it's mixed with like cheeky humor and dad jokes and stories from Steve. And, you know, I mean, I use titles like storytelling, like Tori Spelling when we talk about communication and, you know, uh, finding your own RuPaul when we talk about mentorship and things like that. And yes, that's silly and fun, but it's not just for queer folks, as I've been told. Allies love it too. <laughs> but really anyone can benefit from the six competencies that, that really can help you be an even more effective leader than you already are. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. All right, we'll make sure that we include a link for the book here. And Steve, I want to just say thank you so much for sharing your experience and your advice on the LGBTQ plus leadership and inclusion. Um, I know our listeners are going to want to know more about where they can find more about you and where they can find you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, believe it or not, there's not many Yacavellis out there. <laughs> but uh, if you actually go to uh, Top Dog Learning, all one word, topdoglearning.biz, B-I-Z, it's going to root you to our main website where you can find out about me, my team, or my pack, as I like to say. Um, there's links to all the books that we have, some online courses, even some free ones, uh, ways to get a hold of me if you like, and just ways to kind of uh, pick through our blog and find tidbits to be an even more effective, inclusive leader. All right. That's wonderful. And we'll be sure to include all of those links before. And for everyone who joined us, I am so glad you are here. This has been such a fabulous, fabulous discussion. And for those of you who have a comment, you can leave that before. We love hearing your thoughts. Um, if you would like to suggest a topic or um you have a question, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And of course, to stay current on all of our insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages, incredible episodes like the one today with Steve, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitequeen.com. And I want to thank everyone who joined us and listened in, Amanda and Steve. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you. All be well.